Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, you guys are going to love my guest and the company. And you're never going to forget the name of the company because it's so incredibly cool. It's Christina Party. She's my guest today. She's the founder of, you're going to love this, <laughs> Shit That I Knit. I'm not making that up. Shit That I Knit. You guys, many of you probably already know it. I mean, it's a pretty incredible brand. Um, I had so much fun doing research on Christina and her company and the products that you're doing. I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, we're going to have so much fun today talking through that. Um, so, Christina, it's so great having you on the podcast. So great to be here. Thank you, Justin, for I, having me. I was excited. Thanks for swearing with I, me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I feel like yeah. good about that, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been trying to schedule this for a few weeks. So, thanks for making the time. Um, Let's do this. Before we jump into your business, how about share a little bit of your background before launching the company? Sounds good. Um, so yes, I'm Christina. I'm the chief knitting officer of Shit That I Knit. <laughs> chief knitting um, officer. And I, yeah, yeah, cool title. Um, I grew up outside of Boston, where I still am today. And I learned how to knit when I was 10. My family spends all of our summers up in a very quiet place called Cape Breton up in uh, Nova Scotia. And there's not a ton to do up there, especially on a rainy day. And my mom taught us all how to knit me and my two sisters. And I really caught on and loved it and kept up the very cool hobby through high school and college. Um, and it was in college at, at Skidmore up in upstate New York, where my sisters were making fun of me and said, <laughs> you know, you're such a loser. You should start a website called shit that I knit. And, and <laughs> seriously, I that's how it yeah. started. My oh sister my Angelique claims that, that title. Uh, so so that's how it all began. I, I had a really bad website called shit that I I bought the domain on GoDaddy for like five bucks. <laughs> right. And uh, surprisingly, no one else wanted it yet. Right. Um, it's crazy. And I was just posting photos of shit that I had knit on my dorm room rug, you know, mittens or scarves or whatever. And uh, it, it became sort of my fun fact after I graduated from college, you know, started a real job. It'd be like, I'm Christina, I'm 22, and I have a knitting blog called Shit That I Knit. So it was sort <laughs> of like so my crazy. icebreaker game. Hey, so that's, that's how it came to be. That's really cool. Now, I saw you also had done some like account manager type roles and whatnot um, before, or maybe <laughs> as while you were doing that as like your uh, hobby, I'll call it. When did it become like the thing? You know what I mean? Like, like when did you decide, okay, I'm actually going to make this into a business? Yeah. I mean, being an account manager at a tech company, I don't want to offend anyone, but it is a little bit dry. Um, and I didn't have a whole lot of creative outlets there. So right. it really did sort of become my side hustle. People would learn that I, I knit and want to buy something from me. So I sort of started to figure out how I could actually charge them for things. I um, definitely like being paid for my work. So of course. <laughs> that started being a thing. Um, and it wasn't until a few years in that I, I decided like, Hey, maybe I'll start an Instagram account and just share the photos there. You know, no one is reading right. my blog, but Instagram was really taking off. Um, so that was back in like 2014, um, where I got the handle and started posting things and was just very much myself fooling around testing it out, got a little bit of traction and then decided to actually knit a whole inventory of things for a market, um, which I actually employed my mom, my unpaid <laughs> labor to help me 
um, make all of those hats and mittens and scarves right. and, and go to this market in October of 2014. Wow. Okay. So what were the first couple of things? I, I, I have a bunch of things I see that you're making now that are incredible, but like at first, did you have like three things or five or was it a, like, you know, one, like what did, what were the first couple of things you made to take to the market? Really? It was hats. I mean, I wanted to knit like things the beanie that hat, I right? wear. Yeah, beanie yeah. with a pom-pom. I had been, skiing in Europe and had seen these fur pom-pom hats that hadn't quite hit um, the U S yet. So I wanted, I wanted one. And so I made them for myself. They're, you know, very high end Bogner, you know, fire and ice and Gorsuch, that type of a look. And I wanted one for myself. So I was really knitting things that I wanted to buy and that I would wear. Um, and that's, that's really how we started was with hats. And that still is today our, our biggest product. So you make a couple of these with your mom, um, maybe not, maybe more than a couple. Um, yeah. And you go to the market. Was it like, oh, my God, we have something here or hey, that was pretty good. Maybe we should do more of this. I think what I really realized the market was the name had something really special. <laughs> everyone now, likes shit that I knit. <laughs> everyone who walked by was right. nudging their friend. I could see them. You know, right. sound, oh my God. And so that really stuck for me. And, and I think that, you know, in college I was an art history major, but I had a business minor and the classes I always loved the most were consumer behavior and marketing. Sure. Um, and I, it just like was so fun for me to figure out that branding piece of the business. I think there are a lot of women my age who love to knit and sell in different ways. And I think without the branding, it's hard to take that from just a little side hustle to the size we're at today. And, and so for me, it was all about the name. Absolutely. That's, in, that's a great segue. So um, it's one thing for you and your mom to be knitting things, selling them online uh, and kind of getting by. But when you start getting some volume or scale or interest like you have, I mean, at what point did you go from, you know, I'll say the home production to something, something broader? And how did you figure that out? Yeah. So my first season in business, like I, I actually found a group of women in Boston to knit for me. So I put it on Instagram that I was looking for help, um, and had about 20 or 30 women, all ages, you know, from 18 to 60 knitting for me. And they'd come and pick up yarn from my parents' house, go home and knit it and bring it back. (laughs) Um, which was really fun, but it was really difficult to organize. Um, and kind of tough when someone's like, I'm going on vacation or, you know, it's just my, my main focus. And it was hard for me to scale. There's just not that many people who are looking for that type of work stateside. Um, so I started researching where I could find more people who knit. Um, and I really started where I get my yarn, which is in Peru, all the best Merino wool comes from there. So I figured it made the most sense to go where the wool was. Um, and that's how I found Lima and started doing research there and down the group we work with today. I love that. I've spent um, a lot of time in Lima actually for work. Yeah. And yeah, it's a really cool and amazing place. Um, and then how did you figure out though? Like, did you have to go there and like meet the people and talk to them? About, like, how did that process work? You know what I mean? Like, like tactically yeah. to get that set up. I think I lucked out. I really didn't know anything about <laughs> anything um, and was Googling something like, how do you find people who knit in Lima and right. found a nonprofit that actually connects artisans to brands in the US. So, and that, you know, the Peruvian government is doing a lot to build up their export business. So there was some assistance there, but I, I really lucked out by finding this amazing organization. They work with several different brands. Um, they have great capacity to scale with us. Um, and so the women who knit for us actually knit from home. They're not going to a oh, factory. Very cool. Um, so they can take care of their kids and bring in an income for their families. And they're so much better at knitting than I am. I mean, I am like very 
you know, very rudimentary <laughs> in comparison. They like laugh me out of the room. They're like, get out of here. You're terrible. Right, um, so I that. no longer sell things like Nick, <laughs> but, um, but they're incredibly talented and really improved the product. The yarn we use from them is, is so much more superior than anything I could have ever imagined. So um, that's sort of how we stumbled upon that. And I feel very, very fortunate because it's not easy to find. That's very, very cool. Um, and what a great story too. I'm sure amazing people to work with there. Um, you did a Kickstarter campaign also, and I, I jumped over that and getting to the production side of things, but what did Kickstarter look like for you? And, and how did you decide to, to do that campaign? Yeah. So I don't know if I mentioned I was an art history major, didn't have a whole lot of background in finance, um, you know, had no concept of how to raise money, how to fund this business. And so Kickstarter for me was really the only thing I had figured I had the option to do. Um, it, it's definitely a lot of work. I mean, I ended up raising about $25,000. Wow, well, that's great. 15,000. We raised that 15,000 in 24 hours. Like I did <laughs> nice. a ton of work leading up to it to make that a success. But um, really the biggest benefit wasn't the money as much as it was getting people to have our hats before even launch. So Got being it. able to resell mm. actual product and, and have a great video that I could send out to journalists, um, telling our brand story, you know, it had a lot of different pieces to it that added a lot of value versus just the 25 grand. It was it was more so about that exposure. Oh, that's really, really cool. Um, yeah. And we've had a number of guests on that have done Kickstarter. Some haven't, some have. And it's really interesting to see how that helps kind of kickstart, no pun intended, the brand and yeah. get someone going quickly. Yeah. Um, so how are you selling? Um, you, know, you, you talked about moving from you and your mom making product, then, then Lima becoming more the place where you're sourcing a finished product. Like, How are you selling and how were you selling? Is it all direct to consumer retail versus um, direct to consumer? How, what does that look like? It started out mostly direct to consumer. Um, Instagram was a really huge tool for me and still is today. It was a great way, you know, there's just no barrier to entry to right. create a handle so and great. get on there and promote yeah. your goods. And so that was how I drove a lot of traffic to, directly to our website. In all honesty, that wasn't because I wanted to be direct to consumer. I was actually quite frankly, like for any entrepreneur out there, I was afraid of approaching stores and being told no. Um, so it's like, I don't, I won't tell myself, no, it's my website. Uh, right. You control so it. Once, it's, a, it's a yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. But luckily built into my margins, the ability to go the wholesale route. Right. So today, while we do sell primarily on our website, we also have really grown our wholesale business with the Nordstrom partnership and work with a lot of high-end specialty stores across the country. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. And now you're glad you, you can still, I, I know you still sell online as well. Um, yes. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Um, so now we, we're here, here we are, shitthatinet.com. Um, the Scotia sweater looks pretty impressive. Yeah. And then I love the party wrap. I was like, party and party. Got it, party. party. Or, yeah, last name. Um, so <laughs> talk about the, the line of what you have have today and how often do you add new things like how do you figure out what's going to be next that kind of thing yeah we're really careful about adding new things and that really started out just in the ethos of how the brand was built we we are not venture backed i never had a ton of capital to play around with let's add this new product and just see how it goes right. I mean, a lot of testing goes into it and and i'm very stingy about how we spend our money on inventory so we still are like mostly hats like we really want to be the best hat in the world. And we want to get that to as many people as we can. Um, but we do need to stay present in front of people. We need to give our existing customers new things to come back to um, and test different product lines. So in the summer, the party wrap has been a big seller for us. It's great for weddings or 
I, I actually designed it for my bridesmaids and that's how it came oh, to be. That's cool. Um, you know, it's just a wrap for the evening. And then the Scotia sweater was new this year. It's been a huge success. It sold out in a couple of days. I we bet. had no idea. It's very what cool. It looks um, like a cool style. I mean, it's, I'm a guy, yeah. I know, but look, I like it, you know. I should have worn one, but it's really hot in here. So I, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, nice. yeah. But no, they're really nice. It was really my, you know, what I wanted. But similar to how I knit those hats in the beginning, like I wanted that hat. I wanted right. this like perfect summer sweater that just fits all the bills and you can wear, you know, with a dress or over a bathing suit. Um, and so we worked really hard on it and it created a really great product that right. I think we'll build on as we grow. All right. I, I love that. And of course you have all your hats here as well, which are very cool and, and unique. Um, anything that you've launched since like that didn't work, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a cool idea, yeah. but that was not, it didn't sell. No, like, anything like that. <laughs> I know. And I always take it really personally. I'm sure nobody liked I, it. I don't want to talk not... about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we tried a bag and it was just really expensive to make. So then right. it was really expensive to sell. And I realized like, I can't really compete with Louis Vuitton bags. Like I got to, you know, realize we're not a bag company necessarily. Um, we've tried earrings. It's sort of like a knit crochet look. They were great, but they just didn't move the needle. So there are certain things where we kind of look at, you know, how much we've sold and have a, a cutoff list and say like, we just can't continue with this because it's just not worth our resources to spend marketing and buying right. and reallocate that somewhere else. So it's a little hard for me because I get emotionally attached to everything. I'm sure. I think it's the case for anybody that has a growing yeah. brand, I think. Um, yeah. What about people? You mentioned working with your mom earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Others you've had to leverage either coming on board to work with you or, you know, being uh, coaches or mentors. What does that look like in terms of building this brand? We have an incredible team. I mean, I think like one of the things I, I constantly leave my office and I like kind of pinch myself and I'm like, I can't believe all these incredible, and I really do like, and I get like kind of teary eyed. I'm like, Oh, uh, <laughs> but I just, I really am amazed by the group of people who spend their whole day working with me on this. Um, and so we have a team of almost 10 now, mostly women. We have two guys named Peter. They're both named Peter. Um, who are also really helpful. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, so I have a really great team and I have leveraged a lot of female entrepreneur relationships over the years, um, as a way to get advice. You don't have to reinvent the wheel on, on everything. You can ask someone like, how do you figure out packaging? Exactly. You know, what is your fulfillment center? Like there are things yeah. you just don't need to come up with yourself. And, um, and that's been, really big. And then on top of that, the group we work with today in Lima is about 200 women strong. So wow, that's so uh, cool. You're projecting to employ Amazing. about 400. So wow. Okay. So you, you hit on a, a topic that we haven't touched on yet, which is distribution and logistics. So, you know, yeah. so even rewind the clock again, it's you and your mom, you know, and you're, are you shipping out of the house at that time or the, yeah. uh, like a garage or, and, yeah. and then did it like, at what point did it become something somebody else did? <laughs> Does that yeah, make sense? That's a good question. I always laugh because my mom and I used to actually get on the scale with the package <laughs> and then sure. get off. I didn't and see how much it weighed. It. it kept me really honest on how much weight I was gaining. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. But, um, so yeah, it was definitely done from my parents' house. Yep. I would handwrite all the addresses. The post yep. office hated us. Um, I couldn't oh, yeah. figure out for some reason. For some reason, they so, don't like it when you bring a lot of packages. Yeah, Do you know what I'm talking really, about? You would think yeah. they would be like, oh, good, we're making money. But that's not how the post no, office works. That's not the case. Yeah. In the end, they started giving me access to the back. And the, like, just yes, closed. the loading dock. Yeah, the loading <laughs> yes, dock. Exactly. Yeah, we're good friends with the uh, South boston <laughs> loading talk guys yeah yeah um so, so that started out very very humble and then we actually moved all of our inventory to our office and so i had sort of a warehouse slash office space and for me it was really important for a long time to keep 
the goods near me. Since I started out making them, I wanted to make sure I could see everything, feel it. And it gave me that extra pressure of like, oh my God, we have so much inventory. I got to hustle. I want to get it out the door. (laughs) Um, And like my first hire who still works here today, she started out as an intern for me and she would pack orders all day. And and I even was like handing that off to her. Like I was like, Ooh, I kind of like doing that. Right. You like Um, signing the card. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's just, you're satisfying. I call it idiot's work, but it's just, you know, kind of like, you just, you know, you do it right. Um, And so so it slowly became like things I did less and less. And then last year with COVID, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get into our warehouse. So we moved over to a fulfillment center which came with a whole new host of, of like, challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely better. I don't think we physically would have been able to keep up last year. So I bet that's amazing. Um, and so here we are um, going into the end, back half of this year towards holiday, which would be a good time, I'm, sh- I'm sure, for you guys shopping wise. Um, but as you think about growth and the things you want to do to continue to grow your brand, what are the things you're thinking about? We just really, I mean, we're a very New England based brand right now. And our goal is really geographic expansion and finding different pockets that look like our customer base all over the country and then all over the world. Um, So, you know, identifying those different markets and and really trying to get more brand awareness in them. Um, We just have, we have such a great story, such a great product. It's just about getting in front of more people. Uh, So we're really keeping our product line really tight. Again, like really focusing on hats and winter accessories um, and just getting in front of more people via, you know, partnerships, celebrity endorsements, cool licensing deals that I can't talk about yet. Um, <laughs> right. That are coming. Know, stuff That's like that cool. that I think should be a springboard for us this year. Um do you find that is is the celebrity thing helpful is um kind of the uh, the random video with someone wearing your product helpful? I mean, you know what I mean? Have you seen some of that and yeah. does it drive sales? I'm curious to hear your take on that. Yeah, we've had really great luck with connecting with certain celebrities who have great influence and they just love our story and love our product. And I mean, like Katie Kirk comes top of top of mind. I I DM'd (laughs) her and somehow now we're friends. (laughs) Very cool. It's kind of crazy. And I love her. She's like, she's amazing. Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Cavallari. Um, just some small names that nobody's heard of. I mean, it's just kind of wild to me, but but they've been, you know, they're helpful and they want to support female entrepreneurs a product they believe in. And that has been so much more helpful. Like me finding their agent somehow and pleading them to get the a hat <laughs> has been so much better than any digital ad we could ever Isn't come up with. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I've been a common theme across many of my episodes recently. I thought I'd ask you, um, what about, uh, as you think about our audience, um, they love advice. And so, and you've probably le- had a lot of lessons learned over the time, um, even, and you've got a lot of runway in front of you, but I'd love for you to offer, you know, one or two things you've learned in terms of being an entrepreneur, of launching a brand and growing a brand. Like, what would you share with our audience? Yeah, I think that one thing I've learned and I've become pretty good at is, is really being okay admitting with what I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know what I don't know, sort of. And so, um, being open to advice and, and asking for help. I think something early on that I did was find a, a fractional CFO, one of the Peters. Um, and that was <laughs> nice. so helpful for me in order to grow this business. I think people, Got I didn't it. even realize. To be it, like it, the it, numbers it, person. Yeah, the numbers person, not just an accountant, not a bookkeeper, but someone who's going to do financial projections with you and right. and tell you where you have the capacity to grow and where you should pull back. Um, having that insight into our numbers and having someone who's staying on top of that, who I can really trust has been hugely, hugely helpful. And I don't think I would have, I would never would have hired anyone because I would have just sat on my money and been like, I can't like, right. I can't do that. Um, so that's been really helpful as I grow. And then, you know, 
really just focusing on on your own business. My, one of my favorite quotes is a is a great Oprah quote. You know, you can only run your own race, and I I really believe in that. I really believe in just focusing and staying creative and doing your own thing and putting your head down. The you know the comparison game is real. You can listen to one of these podcasts and be like, oh, you know, they're so much more successful than me or ahead of me, or maybe I have better connections. And you got to just keep on no. doing Compa- your own thing, I, It's so. comparison trap. Yeah, you got to watch that. You're right. Um, yeah, so and I do that too. You know, Everyone does. I think. Everybody yeah. does. Right? Um, <laughs> Anything for guys coming? I mean, I know I, I I see I love the women's clothes. Would guys buy the beanie? You know, can they? I'm just thinking, like I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, just... my dad wears them. Don't oh, get, I mean, okay. He, he is all about. It. He doesn't care that he's wearing a woman's hat. He's supporting his daughter. But um, no, we do have the line this beanie. We're gonna actually. I'll tell you, we're testing it without a pom pom this year. We had. Oh, the guys pom-pom. don't like pom. They they kind of. I, I see guys wearing those kind that don't have pom poms. You know, like they're yeah. kind of. I think that. Well, could be I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely harder. I mean, a lot of guys also don't like ruining their hair. So it's like, like my me. husband see, I, I want. No, yeah. I would. I mean, I don't mind wearing a hair a hat like in the summer at the lake or whatever. But like, yeah. I know you're All right. See, if I'm going to work, yeah, the product. If you go to work. Yeah. And you wear that and your hair's all messed up. Yeah. So it's a harder product for us. And we're, we're still focusing on um, women and children. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. I like some of the kids yeah. stuff you got here. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy your product, et cetera. It's www.shitthatinet.com. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and retail, right? You got the thing going with Nordstrom. And retail, yeah. We're going to be in five Nordstrom stores this year. And we're in lots of specialty stores, a lot out west. Ski that's mountains awesome. are here for us. I was going to so. say, like yeah. ski resort towns, all Aspen, uh, yeah, Aspen I mean, Jackson Steamboat, Hall. all um, that would yeah. be perfect for your product. Um, so so cool. Hey, I'm so glad that you took time to come join us today, Christina. Um, I love shit that I knit. I just like to be able to say that. I think it's kind of fun. Um, and I think it's really cool. And you got so much runway in front of you. I hope you'll come back on down the road and share more stories with us at some point. I will. And thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.